0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Mental Golf Show, where we discuss all things golf psychology to help avid golfers improve their game. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. I am a golf psychology coach, and I've been playing competitive amateur golf for over 20 years. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about expectations and the psychology underneath why high expectations makes it much harder to play well. Hopefully this episode will bring some tools to your mental game toolbox. But before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Divot Board. The Divot Board is the game-changing golf training aid designed to elevate your swing and revolutionize your game. Right off the top, I personally own a Divot Board. It's easily one of my favorite training aids that I've ever used. And I'm very picky for my training aids. I only have two or three, so I believe that's saying a lot. The best thing about the divot board is the instant feedback. When you hit a shot, you get to immediately see where your club struck the ground relative to the ball, the club path, and whether the face was open, closed, or square. This allows you to make errors and instantly see the error that you made. And on a neurological level, making errors is extremely important because your brain takes that feedback and makes instant corrections to help you adapt your motion to the motion that you want. And the instant error feedback of the divot board has got to be one of the best tools ever made for this. So take it from me, the divot board is awesome. It feels like hitting shots on actual driving range grass, and I can do it in my backyard on my lunch breaks. So you can get a divot board at a 10% discount by going to divotboard.com slash mental golf show. And you can use the discount code mentalgolf 10 at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. I'll have the link in the show notes of this episode. Many thanks to divot board for partnering with the mental golf show. All right, let's get into this episode and learn the deeper psychology of expectations. When you go play a round of golf, what do you expect? What are you hoping to achieve? Or maybe most simply put, why are you playing? Most of us show up expecting to play well. That's of course an innocent way to think. Of course you expect to play well. Why would you play if you didn't expect to play well? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. The difference between wanting to play well and expecting to play well. So what's the difference between wanting and expecting good golf? If you're listening to this, then you've probably heard some other golf content creator talk about managing your expectations. This phrase gets tossed around a lot. We need to manage our expectations. But why? What does that even mean? I agree that we need to manage our expectations, but we need to know a little more than just that. So let's dig down into the psychology of expectations. The word expect means to regard something as likely to happen. We can probably imagine why this is an unhelpful way to think, but I would bet most people believe thinking that way is unhelpful because it'll jinx it or something. If you say, I'm going to play well, and you start playing bad, then you might say, oh shoot, I shouldn't have said anything, but there's more to it than just jinxing it. Besides, there's no such thing as jinxing, Uh, but that should be a whole nother episode of the mental golf show. Another time expecting good golf has an entitlement component to it like you are entitled to good golf, or that you deserve to play well, that the universe or the golf gods owe you some good golf. You might say, good golf is likely to happen because I deserve it. That might sound strong to some, uh, but it's possible to have these expectations from rational sources, like how hard you've been practicing. Because I've been working hard on my game, then I expect to play well. Or you might even say, then I deserve to play well. Or these expectations can come from slightly less rational sources, like how well you've been playing lately. I've had three good rounds in a row, so I should play well again today. I kind of deserve to play well again. Or it can come from highly irrational sources, like because you have your lucky ball marker, or you expect to hit this close because of that one time you hit that perfect shot. So that uh, means that you're allowed to aim right at the flag and you deserve good shots. That might seem silly to some, but to others, that actually feels like a pretty solid strategy. Now, these are all potential reasons to believe that this is likely to happen. But expecting or feeling entitled to or feeling like you deserve good golf or that you're owed good golf, these beliefs can be very dangerous. When your mind is set on something happening or you feel like by just showing up, you'll get what you deserve. You are setting yourself up for failure. So why does this set us up for failure? Because of what expecting something does to our minds. Every hope or want or desire or need or expectation has another side of the coin. And the other side is almost always fear. Now, why is fear the other side of the expectation coin? Because when you expect good golf you are subconsciously telling yourself that bad golf is not allowed. And when bad golf is not allowed, that means to your brain, bad golf is scary. Bad golf is unacceptable. So what's going under, on underneath high expectations is a need to get what you expect. By having a need to get what you expect, you've set up a fragile source of confidence. If you go into a round expecting to play well, What happens if you hit the first ball out of bounds? You are immediately hit in the face with the opposite of what you're expecting. So your confidence comes crashing down. Understandably so. You then spend the next several holes trying even harder to avoid more bad shots to get the round back on track. But when you are in an avoidant mentality instead of a pursuit mentality, you play scared. You make guidey swings and tentative putts because you're trying to avoid another bad shot that will be another blow to your expectations. The tough part about this is you probably wouldn't consciously say this in the moment. When you show up to the course and you're expecting to play well, you probably wouldn't outright say, I expect to play well, which means I'm scared of not playing well. That isn't on your mind, which is, Actually makes this an even tougher habit to break. So because this is underneath what we consciously experience, we need to bring what we're experiencing subconsciously up to the level of consciousness. So that sounds pretty deep and and out there, but how can we do that? Right? Give me something, give me a how, but let's, let's uh, dive a little bit more into it first. Mark Manson, uh, an author that I really, really like. Uh, he wrote a book titled Everything is F-Word. He's also written a, a book that maybe is, is it's the first of the kind of two-part series that maybe you've read or seen the subtle art of not giving an F-Word. Uh, but in his book, Everything is F-Word, laid out a really good distinction between your feeling brain and your thinking brain. Your feeling brain is your gut instinct, your knee-jerk reflex response. It's your fight-or-flight response. When you make a sloppy double bogey and you get angry and you try to crush the next tee shot to force a birdie to make up for that double, that's your feeling brain running the show. By default, our feeling brains drive our consciousness cars, as Manson put it. Our feeling brains take over. They are the thing running the show by default. And then there's our thinking brain. This is our logical, level-headed brain. When things are going great, you're comfortable, nothing too awesome or too terrible is happening, you're calm and having fun, so you're able to think rationally. This is your thinking brain. That This is like you're playing at your very average golf game. Nothing. You're not playing too awful. You're not playing too great. You're just kind of ho-hum. Uh, things, are, things are just fine. The problem is, If even the slightest emotionally charged moment happens, your thinking brain gets shoved to the passenger seat of the car and the feeling brain takes over. So by default, in almost any situation, your thinking brain is playing second fiddle to the feeling brain. Okay, why is this important for golf? And what does this tell us about expectations? Because by default, our feeling brain is driving the car. When we're on the course and there's some pressure, or our emotions are up, we will be in that mindless mode as we're being driven by our feeling brain. Something feels like the right thing to do, so we do it without a second glance. So if it feels right to expect to play well, we'll do it. If it feels right to avoid bad golf, then we'll do it. So we need to overcome our feeling brain's tendency to drive the car. We have to use our thinking brain to feed the feeding the feeling brain information that it wants. We have to, again, we have to use our thinking brain to give the feeling brain the information that it wants. We have to speak its language, which is, you guessed it, more feelings. We have to show our feeling brain that expecting and needing good golf and therefore playing scared of bad golf feels worse than pursuing good golf. And again, this is tough. I'm saying it like just a snap of a finger, just do this. But this is tough because right now, while you're listening to this, you would of course say that you already feel that way. You already feel like it feels worse to play avoidantly and scared. Uh, It feels worse uh, to do that than to pursue good golf. But in the heat of battle, when the emotions are up and you just made that sloppy double, By default, it feels way better to avoid bad golf. I like the way Raymond Pryor put it on his Golf Beneath the Surface podcast. It's a new podcast that he's doing uh, with Chase Cooper, which you should absolutely go listen to. If you like Dr. Pryor from his guest appearances on the Mental Golf Show or the topics that we cover here, you should go listen to Dr. Pryor, uh, his podcast called The Golf Beneath the Surface Podcast. He's been such a great mentor to me just behind the scenes. We text and talk and um, what what an amazing, smart guy. I stand on his shoulders, right? I don't. Um, almost everything that I say is um, is in some way influenced by Doctor Pryor, so I highly recommend you go listen to his podcast. And he's not paying me to say that; uh, I just really, really think it's awesome. But I like the way that he put this on his podcast. When given the choice between pursuing something good or avoiding something bad, our brains will almost always choose to avoid the bad thing. We are hardwired to stay alive. So if we just avoid death, we're doing pretty good. So to our feeling brain, bad shots and bad scores are death so we need to avoid them at all costs and that's because you've taught your brain that bad golf is death by expecting and needing good golf. okay is it starting to come together now? okay, still not all right so uh, let's 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 kind of flesh this out e- even more. In order to show our feeling brain that avoiding bad golf feels worse than pursuing good golf, we need to inject awareness into the moment when we're experiencing that avoidant feeling. And we all know this feeling. We stand on a tee box and we see all the trouble where we don't want to go. But by default, we see where we don't want to go and we believe that to be true. And we make a steery-guidey swing. Even if we say, this is where I'm going... In the back of our minds, aka our feeling brain, we know that we really just need to avoid the bad stuff. Hence the steery guidey protective swing or uh, hint, 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 the jerky iron shot or the hitchy chunked chip or the yippy four footer. So that's where we need to inject our awareness in the moment that we're experiencing that avoidant feeling. So as you feel that tension and anxiety of where you don't want to go, You pause, you take a breath to bring yourself back to the present, and you question your feelings. This is you turning on your thinking brain. This is allowing your thinking brain to have a chance to drive the car. By grabbing your attention and bringing it to the present, you are allowing yourself to inject some logic and actually engage with your own thoughts. So you catch yourself thinking, don't go left. And you say, whoa, 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 whoa! why can't I go left? Why would that be so bad? And you take it to its conclusion. You don't stop there. You take it to its conclusion. Why would that be so bad? You'd probably get to the bottom of it and realize that you only think that because you felt the need to live up to your own expectations of how you needed to play today. So you had that belief, and then you started acting on it and telling yourself thoughts that agreed with it but you're giving it a second glance now. You're, you're becoming more aware of your own thoughts and that inner dialogue. So if you can let that go, then you can show yourself that it would feel much worse and be much less desirable to try to avoid something that wouldn't actually be that bad. Now, full uh, full disclosure here, and, and maybe a much-needed caveat, sometimes you do this check-in and you realize that it would be that bad, you still desperately don't want to hit it there. And it would be the end of the world. To some, that's simply the truth. To my many tour player clients, it would be detrimental to miss yet another cut after spending thousands on entry fees. So to accept that outcome is much more difficult than just me playing a casual round of golf where I don't want to hit it in the water. It's so much more difficult when there's actual livelihood on the line. It's it's much harder to accept. And in which case, there will always be some level of avoidance, right? You will always, on some level, be trying to avoid the thing that you don't want to happen, which honestly just comes with the territory of trying to do hard things. So if that's how you have to go about it, and the round you're playing does have that uh, consequences to it, in order to play through that, there has to be some level of acceptance of the risk that you're taking, right? It just comes with the territory, so you might as well accept it. But again, none of this is possible if your feeling brain is driving the car. You will feel a certain way, and then you will act on those feelings and without a second glance. So that's why grounding yourself in the moment and bringing some awareness to your thoughts and feelings is vital. Now, this won't magically make you free as a bird. You'll still play with some avoidance and tension and make steery, guidy swings because we all have care, right? We all care. There's always consequences. We always have something uh, something that we don't want to happen. So there will always be some level of avoidance and tension and, and swings guiding it away from those avoidant places. But over time, you will show your feeling brain that it feels better to pursue and play freely than to avoid and play protectively. And the tension will diminish slowly but surely. We all want to play freely, but so often it feels like no matter what we do, we can't help but play scared. This is how to rewire that tendency. Awareness of your tension paying attention to what you're trying to avoid, questioning the validity of the avoidance, and hitting the shot towards where you want to go while you're a little bit tense. This is how you systematically work towards a more freed up golf game. All right, everyone, hope you learned a thing or two about why high expectations of your game can actually make playing freely much more difficult. And as I always mentioned at the end of these episodes, what you've heard isn't therapy. It's meant for information and entertainment purposes only. If you feel like you need personal help on some deeper things you're going through, I encourage you to go talk to a licensed professional. And if you have questions or comments about these topics or working with me one-on-one on your golf psychology, feel free to send an email to josh at joshnicholsgolf.com or you can head to my website joshnickelsgolf.com. Or you can find me on Twitter slash X or Instagram at Josh Luke Nichols. I'd also like to point you to the mental game assessment. It's a free 15 minute questionnaire that will give you your mental strengths and areas for mental game improvement. It's the same exact resource that I use with all of my clients and it's free for for anyone to take and get a, a handmade report back to you. So if you're interested in the mental game assessment or getting your divot board at 10% off or anything else, the links will be in the show notes of this episode. All right. Thanks again for listening to the mental golf show, whether you're new here or you've been here since day one, I really appreciate the community that you have been a part of building. If you've learned something on this episode, go subscribe and leave a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify. You can leave us a review of up to five stars. If you feel like we've earned it. Most of all, thank you for your interest in golf psychology. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys next time.